Happy Black History Month. As we take time and space to celebrate the essential richness of Black history, we take time to sow seeds of solidarity, understanding where we've been and where we're going. On January 12th, Santa Barbara's Arts and Lectures Race to Justice series was thrilled to welcome renowned author Ta-Nehisi Coates. Some of his best-selling books include Between the World and Me, Beautiful Struggle, We Were Eight Years in Power, and his most recent 2019 novel, The Water Dancer. UC Santa Barbara's own Terrence Wooten, assistant professor in the Black Studies Department, conducted the insightful conversation with Coates, covering many topics such as liberation through reclaiming language, healing justice, and how this is all poignant to the recent insurrection that took place at the U.S. Capitol. The opening of the conversation began with Professor Terrence Wooten asking about Coates' engagement of being a current Marvel writer for both Captain America and Black Panther. Terrence asked about the significant connection between comics and seeing oneself within the sphere of an alternate world of superpowers. Coates explains how reading Marvel comics paired with growing up in West Baltimore was something that he was able to connect to, as many of the early Marvel comic writers were outcasts themselves, mainly by Jewish writers in the midst of an ongoing Holocaust or after, and certainly within the rise of anti-Semitism. So that feeling of being an outcast extends to the Black experience, and he was able to recognize himself within the comics. Terrence added that even within his own background of growing up in a predominantly white suburban town that it was through comics where he was reminded that blackness was actually a superpower and not a metaphysical imposition. Finding liberation through the imagery and how the character time and time again was able to come out as a true hero against all odds. Moving forward, Professor Terrence reflects on a conversation within Coates' newest novel, The Water Dancer, asking about a quote in relation to the main character, Hiram, who in the book is born from his mother, who is an enslaved black woman, and his white father, who's their slave master. Hiram says, I wanted him to know that I now knew all that he knew that to forgive was irrelevant, but to forget was death. Wooten calls into question how effectively we as a nation are currently able to acknowledge racial inequality, saying, We seem intent to either offer forgiveness on one hand or forgetting as a way to move forward on the other, which carries its own kind of burdens. Terrence asks Coates, what he believes healing looks like for black people within the context of never forgetting. Coates answers by saying, I don't think we've spent enough time thinking or evaluating truly how hurt we are as black people. What personally stood out to me in this segment of the conversation was the connection drawn between Coates's The Water Dancer and Toni Morrison's novel The Bluest Eye, 
as both of these books offer an explanation to the unspoken and at times hard to pinpoint wounds within the black experience. The Bluest Eye features Picola, a young dark-skinned black girl who believes that if she were to have blue eyes and white features like actresses she sees in Hollywood films, the pain of feeling ugly and unloved that she experiences as a young African-American woman would go away. The book dives deep into how a standard of beauty based on whiteness causes non-whites to resent themselves and their inherent features. Piccola is tormented by self-destructive thought patterns as she internalizes these unfair and unattainable standards of beauty as truth. Ta-Nehisi Coates recalls a place within the bluest eye where Piccola's mom, Pauline, goes to a movie theater and what was intended to be a pleasurable experience as watching a motion picture was such a thrill at this time. As she's watching a white woman's life play out on the screen before her, she is reminded of her own experience as a black woman in America. Tortured by the idea that her identity will never be celebrated or as glamorous as the one that's being shown on the screen, she's at the same time tortured by the idea that she'll never look like this white woman in the movie, that because of the way her black skin is viewed in America, she would forever be quote-unquote imperfect in a way that this woman will never be. Coates reveals that he was not only able to empathize with this feeling, but felt as though he was in the theater, wounded with Pauline Piccola's mom right there in the theater with her. Towards the end of the conversation, Coates and Wooten discuss the use of lexicon within Coates's writing and the importance of granting one's own language to name ourselves and our own experience as an act of liberation. This then went on to the question of what it means for black and marginalized people to be able to claim home within the current sphere of white supremacy, especially in light of the recent insurrection that took place on January 6th, and what this act symbolizes about toxic whiteness in our country. Professor Terrence says, while black people have not forgotten, there seems to have been a racial amnesia for the nation state or for a large sector of the white population who didn't understand the realities of where we are. And we were reminded of that through the recent insurrection that took place on January the 6th. He went on to bring up a piece Coates had written in 2016 titled, the first white president, in which he claims that Donald Trump's rise to power was fueled by a desire to negate the Obama legacy, and asking what it was that Coates meant when he had written that piece. Coates reminds us that race is a social construct, and that the social contract of white supremacy is dependent not on blackness, but the enslaved, dehumanized black citizen, saying, a truly white presidency is only possible if it follows a black presidency, 
that at its core, Trump's campaign was formed in retaliation for electing a black president, not only in opposition to the advancement of black citizens, but against the messages of hope and racial equality that were born during the Obama era. For four years, the Trump administration made blatant attempts to erase the Obama presidency and pacify his white supporters by promising to prioritize their lives over all others, tying the identity of Trump as a white supremacy leader directly to the subordination of black and brown people in America. Trump's presidency clearly inspired a wave of entitlement so profound that when it came time for Trump to leave office, his supporters staged a coup to undermine the election proceedings. Coates reflected on the insurrection by saying, You couldn't imagine a bunch of black people feeling so toxically, not truly, but toxically free, that they would storm the capital of the United States of America. That you would see someone pointing a gun at you at the other side of a bastion window, and you would leap through, daring them to shoot you. Trump's presidency and the recent insurrection identify the U.S. Capitol and White House as pillars of a white supremacist empire, calling into question what this building represents for brown and black people, as well as people of marginalized intersectionalities who don't feel the need or have the privilege of feeling so closely tied and represented by the U.S. Capitol that they would invade it to preserve what they feel entitled to, which in this case is the social construct of whiteness being dominant and preserved as such. Terence adds that it was almost as if we watched white supremacy eat itself. On one hand, we're seeing the audacity of whiteness, and on the other, watching white supremacy cannibalizing upon itself. Coates reminds us that the basic power lines of America rely on white supremacy and adds, We often fear that marginalized people are slowly being put into what James Baldwin refers to as a burning house of capitalism and all of its predatorial behaviors. So when it comes to solving discriminatory problems such as racism, homophobia, and sexism, it's almost impossible to accomplish within the systematic outlines of white supremacy. Because the only reason that white people buy into the construct of whiteness in the first place is because it gives them exclusive rule over it. And so it's not enough to just have America as a power. It has to be a white power in their minds. This conversation came at a vital time exactly one week after the insurrection on January 6th. Thank you to Professor Terrence Wooten and Ta-Nehisi Coates for engaging this conversation towards weaving truth as we move forward to a hopeful future of healing. As we continue to celebrate Black History Month here on KCSB News, we hope to bring both celebration and solidarity to the past and future for black people and all of its beauty and diversity and experience around the world. 
Be sure to tune in to UCSB's Arts and Lectures Race to Justice series, spearheading an in-depth look at systematic racism from every angle. The season-long series engages leading activists, creatives, and thinkers to expand the understanding of racism and its infiltration within our society. You can find out more on artsandlectures.ucsb.edu. I'm Kalia Kwa with KCSB News. Thanks for listening.